0: Hi, I'm Evangelist Felicia Wallace. Thank you for tuning in to the alight for Christ podcast, where our aim is to reach the masses for Christ in this current day of chaos, distractions, and confusion. We have set out on this journey to encourage the weary, revive those of us who have been complacent in our faith, and redirect the lost and misguided. We are ordained pastors of the Light of the World Church of God Organized under the Church of God Ministries, Anderson, Indiana. We hope you will consider supporting our ministry by visiting our website at alightforchrist.com or from the links provided on our podcast episodes. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and support. God bless you. Why can't we celebrate and be happy when we see the move of God in the lives of others? especially when those who have been lost in sin find their way back home. In this episode, Pastor Melvin gives insight into the other son who did not want to be a part of any celebration for his prodigal brother. So take a moment to take a listen and be blessed.
1: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of St. Luke chapter 15 verses 25 through 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The title of this word today is, Are You the Other Son? As I begin this sermon, I would like to begin it with a question. Why can't people be happy for other people when God moves in their lives? And why wouldn't you want to be a part of it with the understanding that all this is for the glorification of God To bring others to Christ. You know the three principles. uh, Of the people identified in this parable. As we go into the third part of this parable. And the last. But as we review this. The younger son. The lost son. Represent the Gentiles. Who were invited. Into uh, the kingdom of God. The father. Of course. Represents. Jesus, the long-suffering, the patient, and the loving, and the giving, and the forgiving one, and this older son represents the Pharisees, those who cannot understand why the Gentiles and why Jesus is inviting the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. But let us go into the scripture right now. And we see that while the celebration was going on, the other son was in the field fulfilling his commitments in the routine, dependable, habitual, and dedicated way as he always did. He seemed to be very much aware of what was going on in the field, but was surprised and confused of hearing music and dancing upon returning to the house. So he had to inquire the servant who had a better pulse of what was going on concerning the activities in the house. But anyway, the servant told him of his brother's return. See, God was working in the house of redemption. Something that everyone should have been excited and blessed about. But the father's joy, relief, and excitement of having his son back safe and sound didn't go over very well with the older son. And he was very angry at the point of making his second mistake. And that is shutting himself out of the celebration of the move of God. We all should be able to imagine and believe that this son knew that his brother would one day return home. He knew what he was doing and knew it couldn't last. He may have even formed ideas and visions in his mind of what his brother's return would be like. An angry father asking what happened to the inheritance. How could you do this? But it didn't happen that way, and he was angry, and he wouldn't go in the house. So the father came out once again with great patience, long-suffering, and self-control in regards to one of his sons, pleading for him to celebrate with them. Now, you know, uh, it was then that we see how the other son sinned against heaven And against his father. Now this one was doing that. And how did he sin, Pastor? Well, first of all, let's look at the disrespectful tone in his voice. Look, man, there's no way to speak to your father. That's the first thing. With the disrespect and the disdain, you don't disrespect your elders. You don't disrespect your father. So that's the first thing. Next thing, by lying about his attitude all these years, pretending that he enjoyed working with his father, all the while feeling that he was slaving. You know, that's what he said. He said he was slaving. Now displaying his true feelings about what he was doing concerning his work. You know, people are like that. It seems like they are fine going along with what is happening but let something uh, displease them and then you will see the true side of them. Next thing uh, lying about never disobeying his father when he was doing just that at that very moment he told his father I never disobeyed you. Well what did he think he was doing at that point? I mean, this, this, this boy got charges against him. Next by implying that he was excluded from celebrations, not understanding that it wasn't to honor what the lost son did, but it was to honor what God did in bringing him back safe and sound. And he was invited and certainly his friends would have been invited. I mean, they had a whole cow to eat. And finally, by, and perhaps this is the worst thing here, finally implying evil associations between the father and son in the sinful and wasteful actions of the younger son and him being rewarded for it. That's how that older son felt. He got to the point and he got so high and mighty that he started... Accusing his father of wrongdoing by condoning the actions of this son and not just condoning the actions but also rewarding him for it. Now, this was enough for some serious reprimanding, rebuking, reproachment, and discipline that could have turned all attention away from the celebration, but the father kept his composure, just as Christ keeps his composure. And he went about the business of giving reassurance uh, to the older son, who he is in his father's eye. He told him, son, my son, you are always with me. And what he meant by that also was that he was reassuring the son of where he has been. He's always been with the father. What he has. Told the son that, you know, all I have is yours. Sharing the inheritance with his son. So you have that, the reassurance of the oldest son. And God will give uh, us the reassurance. That is, if we are the other son. The father also explained the requirements of God concerning the mandate of thanksgiving. And it wasn't a choice, it was a requirement just as it is for us. When the sinner repents, there must be thanksgiving, must be joy, and there must be celebration in order for it to be right in the sight of God. There's the reminder for his son of who he is concerning his brother, the brotherhood. That father told that son, He's not just my son, but this brother of yours. See, he was dead, but at this point he was alive. He was lost, but at this point he was found. See, we have to understand that the lost son left his father's house to sin in that far off country. But this one was sinning right at home and he couldn't even see it. See, the problem that he had was that he was stuck on what he was doing, what he felt that he was doing for his father, but not realizing what his father was doing for him. It's not about the person coming back, but it is about the celebration of the move of God. It's about the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna finish this off with a story. This is a story about myself. It's about 12 years old. I was a pitcher in the little league, the ace pitcher of the team. And we were playing a game and we were up by one run and it was in the last inning and the home team was up to bat. The bases were loaded and no one was out we were up by one run, one mistake, we would lose the game. So they called me in to be the relief pitcher, to get the team out of the situation that we were in. I've done this before, and I was good at pitching at this time. So I come out fully expecting to do what I've always been doing, what I always did, to get the batters out and to win the game. So I came out confident in my skills. My head was fat in being boastful of myself. I could barely get my cap on my head. Between my fat head and between my afro, I could barely put the cap on my head. I go out with a toothpick in my mouth because I wanted to be in style as I finish this game and win the game for my team. So I get up on the mound and I begin to pitch. Strike one, strike two. I look around wondering if there's any major league scouts looking at me, ready to sign me up. I wind up, strike three, one out. Next batter comes up, strike one, strike two. I prepare for the next pitch. And I think to myself, maybe I'll sign some autographs once all this is over. I wind up, strike three, it's two outs. One more batter to go, strike one, strike two. As I prepare to make the next pitch, I think to myself, I'm gonna Put this one in Bob Gibson style and finish this off right now. I wind up the pitch, the batter swings, and he hit the ball Willie Mays style. And the ball sails over the fence. It sails over the trees. And it sails out of sight for a home run. Couldn't believe when it happened. No one never hit a home run off of me before, but now here it is. My cap goes to the back of my head. The toothpick drops to the ground as I stare as the ball sails away. But when I turn around, I saw something strange. My brother, who was the catcher, was back in position. The batter was returning to the batter's box as the runners were returning to their respective bases. As the umpire had stepped away and he had waved out, no pitch, just as I was pitching that last ball. So the pitch didn't count. I got another chance. And when I got back on the mound, I was humbled. As at that time, I did strike that batter out, and we won the game. It was a lesson that makes me think of God's grace and God's mercy to give me another chance. And we need grace. We need mercy in our lives. It's not what we do, but it's what Christ does for us. Be blessed. Hi, this is Pastor Melford. We hope you've been uplifted by the word today. We hope you were blessed. But you know, I want to talk to you about the urgency and the importance of being right with Christ. Romans 10, beginning at verse 8, gives us instruction. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Are you willing to give your heart today? If so, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I admit this day that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Believe that you are the atoning sacrifice for my sins and that you died on the cross to pave the way to eternal life. I ask you come into my heart and make me whole again through the power of your resurrection that I may be born again and enter into the fellowship of the universal body of Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Welcome to the family. And stay planted in the Lord this is very important so God bless you